Fake news. Mr. President. Fake news. Fake news. Fake news. Mr. President. I just want to have one thing to say. Mr. President, I'm trying to get a word edgewise here. Fake news put out Mr. President, it's not. It's not fake news just because you don't like it. A few days ago, fake news Enough! Each and every Tuesday, the Journey into Comics Network brings you the real news with the poor of poor, with the late breaking news that really matters. The following is a Journey into Comics Network production. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey into Comics, the podcast dedicated to all things nerd, with your host, the podfather himself, Nate Phillips. Who? Star-Lord, man. Legendary outlaw. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Journey into Comics. It's Journey into Comics 199. Wow. I am your host, Nate, and today joining me, the wasp to my Ant-Man. See what I did there? I see what you did there. Welcome back to the show, the lovely Miss Veronica. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing real good. We just saw the Ant-Man and the wasp. Uh, I'm prepared to talk about that, and other than that, yeah. That's one thing we are doing today. Uh, it's interesting because of time travel. <clears throat> we have. I'm probably going to edit that out, but uh, <laughs> we have the opportunity here to reflect on some things that yeah. otherwise would not be talked about for another few weeks at this point, right? Okay. So this is like the lead-in of LafiCon. We've already experienced it. Yes, we are still recuperating from that. <laughs> We're definitely recovering from that. That was a great weekend. Yeah, there was a lot of good from that weekend, and we're going to talk about that a little bit here. There were some uh, strange occurrences, and there's some fallout from that that no one publicly knows about yet. I mean, the the people that were involved know about it. Mm-hmm. The few people in the network who are involved know about it. You, Sarah, know about it, and that's like it. So we're going to be breaking some of that stuff down because it, it is worth mentioning. So... Right out of the gate, uh, LafiCon 2018 was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, it went really smooth for the network. It went really smooth for everyone who we brought to the table, I thought. Yeah, we met some really <laughs> interesting people. We met some really creative writers and artists and storytellers, and I made lots of friends. It was really nice. You networked your ass off. You became like the... <laughs> social media liaison for LafiCon. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, it was it was a blast. Yeah, I had a great time. It was a good time. What was that experience like for you walking around and interviewing random people and going like live on the LafiCon Facebook page and stuff like that? Um, well, I thought I handled it pretty professionally if I do say so myself. I thought so. But I was super nervous cuz I've never fucking done that before. And um <laughs> I don't know. I did my best. Yeah, I thought I, it was great. I thought I, I thought I did okay. You, I tried. You actually like went Facebook Live with me on the stage. Yeah, I have like, never done Facebook Live before. That was fucking terrifying. I've done a couple. Of, <laughs> I've done a couple unboxing videos, and I learned really quickly that don't care who is or isn't watching because mm-hmm. you'll never be able to tell how long they're actually there or if they're even there. Right. Right. Um, and then that you know, if you can get some interaction, just respond to the interaction as soon as you get it. Mm-hmm. Those are the only things I know about the Facebook Live stuff. So it wasn't really too crazy for me. We were asking a trivia question to get people to come down there. There were so yeah, many. Yeah, it was really fun. It, I liked it that. It really was. It really was. Yeah. There were so many things going on uh, the first day of LafiCon. 
some of that stuff you guys are going to hear. Uh, JIC 200 next week, live from LafayetteCon. It was yeah. a fucking amazing that was experience. Great. We had uh, the guys from Podcastrophy and Nick Maxson from Brews with Dudes. Absolutely. That was fun. I don't think we've all just ever sat down and did a podcast together. Yeah, and we did it in a different format. We don't typically get down or try to do other people's um, ideas or like other people's style of podcasting. Mm-hmm. And Movie Fights is a show that I've kind of admired for a while. Like yeah, from the afar. movie fight thing was fun. Uh, that was, so that was cool. It was. I. I mean, I think I would like to go deeper and ask like crazier questions and get more interesting. I think that that's something going. that Foodies Watching Movies podcast needs to tackle. Maybe season three we can do that. Yeah. We're wrapping season two here shortly. So uh, yeah, two episodes uh, left of Foodies. Wow, that's crazy to think about and reminisce about. But but to stay on LaFiCon here, uh, so two hundred kicked off LaFiCon, mm-hmm. and that was a blast. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. And it was really, um, it was a really cool moment for my podcasting career to hit that number. And just like, even though I'm not going to go through and like rehash and retrospect all the stuff that I've been through, it's like you look back four years, seven months to now mm-hmm. and the things that we've accomplished as people and the networking we've done and the kind of, it's interesting because we have kind of, um, what's that word? There's a word. <laughs> you know it you know the word i don't know there's a um it's like our uh our repertoire our um that's not the word it's not the <laughs> i word. don't know the word you're looking for damn it the word is mm. um our reputation okay our reputation precedes us it was really cool to hear throughout LafiCon weekend i'm so fucking bummed and i'll tell you guys about that in a second but it was really cool to hear throughout LaFiCon weekend people say that they really enjoyed our network and our style of interview, yeah. our style of panel, kind of peeling it back and making it more real. Uh, I seem to every single person I talked to that gave, gave, gave me a response back about what we were doing as a network mm-hmm. was all that we, it was refreshing because we weren't forcing them into a box of you can only be discussing this one thing. Right. We let them lead the conversation and they got to talk about literally whatever the fuck they wanted to talk about. Yeah, and it was great. It was amazing. And there were so many cool moments. There was that a we lot captured. of really great interviews. I mean, the whole weekend. The whole weekend was phenomenal. Uh, one of those interviews will actually be heard at the end of this episode. Uh, because I'm going to include the Matthew Waite interview mm. from Sunday at LaFiCon onto this as like the the preamble to 200. Um, I think it's great to have a comic book artist on this episode, considering we just lost one of the greatest comic yeah. book artists of all time, and Steve Ditko. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I mean, the guy that created fucking Spidey Man, like yeah. oh, kills me in my heartstrings. Um, so back again, back to LaFiCon. We did the whole weekend. It was great. We're through it, mm-hmm. you know, and then there's the other part of being a podcaster and that's the editing work and the pre- the preparatory work of getting your your episodes together and getting your ideas together and compiled and Uploaded going and through and listening and doing all those things. Mm-hmm. I kind of methodical about how I do that. Mm-hmm. I take a couple at a time from my board. I edit them into a saved file. I keep the saved file in a specific folder that I don't ever fuck with. Mm-hmm. Game over, right? It's super easy. It's like. It's basic, but it's it's my method. So it was kind of late, and I was working on getting a couple more of the interviews off the board mm-hmm. onto the computer. And as I'm doing this, I'm looking at the, the, the at the computer space. And I'm like, wow, I've actually like 
I'm using a lot of, there's like, there's a lot of junk files I need to get rid of. Right. So I'm just like, okay, whatever. I go through, I Because that computer had not been like wiped at all, right? No, I mean, you know, I didn't really fully like do a full system restore wipe thing or anything with Dick because Dick had that thing. And honestly, I didn't mind how it was set up. Yes, there was like way the fuck too much porn, but like easy to get rid of. Go, Dick. Yeah, I mean, 4K porn, it is what it is. Anyways, so we, uh, I, you know, I'm um, I'm looking through all the files. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go to the recycle bin, get rid of a bunch of shit, and be good. So I do that. And then I just go about my business. And I go to export John Tyler Christopher's interview, which you guys will hear at Journey into Comics 201. Mm-hmm. Okay, because Nate's going to take a little bit of a vacation. I think I've earned it um, without really taking a vacation because I already did the work. So I'm, <laughs> I'm exporting it. Mm-hmm. I go to save it. And when I go to the folder where all the LaFiCon panels are, there's nothing in the folder. Yeah. And I'm immediately like, wait, what? It, it takes me a minute to even like recognize what's happening. I'm like, oh, it's because it's... Maybe I'm saving it as a different wave format. I'm dumb. Let me check. No, it's an MP3. Okay, where are the files? So then I just on my own go look. The files aren't there. I'm like, what the fuck? Okay, mm-hmm. so then now I'm like, I'm now I am starting to panic a little bit. My heart's racing, and I go to the to the recycling bin, and there's nothing in there, and I can't find these files. And I search for the files, and nothing's coming up, and they're gone. Yeah. And I had already removed them from the board permanently because I had exported them. The job had been done. I needed to make more space for the next day of LaFiCon. Right. So, uh, to the wind. Yes, very. that was a great motion. To the wind. They're gone. Um, and I was upset that those panels yeah, were gone. Yeah, that was crushing. It's not even, the crushing isn't even over yet, though, because it got worse. Um, I'm in a panic, and I'm like, oh, what the fuck? Okay, so I'm trying to figure out all these different ways to save the files. I'm looking online about restoring deleted files and this and that and the other. They're all saying pretty much the same thing. I try a couple of them. I can't find the files. They're gone. Yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm coming ter- to terms that those files are gone. And I'm like, okay, well, there's still shit I need to clean up off this desktop and get cleaned off this computer anyways. Mm-hmm. So I, again, not doing anything crazy at this point. I repeat the process. I go to the recycle bin. I hit empty recycle bin. I As soon as I click that, my JIC temp folder is 100% gone. Yeah, I have no idea what is wrong with this computer. I don't either. I mean, I'm guessing it's probably like um, a virus or something has got in there, which wouldn't surprise me. But um, so the, the files are gone and that's like a lot of stuff that is the behind the scenes parts of the network, mm-hmm. the files that I utilize to build best of the week shows and the files I utilize for people's music and, right. and shit like that, like stuff that's, it's replaceable, but it's irreplaceable, you know? Mm-hmm. So I had a meltdown at like two forty-five in the morning because it was like, I literally watched my empire burn to the ground <laughs> in an instant, you know? Fucking technology. Let me tell you what. I've never been so grateful that I had the wherewithal to immediately, as soon as I got done editing JIC 200, upload that motherfucking thing. Yeah. Because if I would have lost that, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what would I. We're not going to play the what ifs. Mm-hmm. But so I contacted everybody whose panels were lost. This is Because it wasn't end. everybody's. It, it wasn't was, everybody. 
one half of one day, right? It was the majority of Saturday. Yeah. We kept John Tyler Christopher's. It happened to be the last one I was exporting, and I hadn't removed it from the board yet. Right. So I got to re-export it and give myself a second opportunity to save it, and then blah, blah, blah. So I contacted the people who that shit has been lost. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hey, I think the weekend of the 14th, we'll drive down to Lafayette on Saturday. We'll spend an afternoon hitting up a couple houses. We'll just redo these interviews, but it'll be a little more personal. It'll be in their home. It'll be a little bit more one-on-one. We won't have the pressure of being in front of other people. Right. Like, it'll be a nice environment. And every single one of those people responded with absolutely yes and super supportive and yeah, made awesome. me feel way less awful about the damage that had been done because it was their hard work too. Right. And that was the thing I think that really killed me because it's like my hard work, whatever, I, I, I can talk. <laughs> I do it all the time. I'm not worried about it. But these people were telling their stories. They were going through their journeys. We were having beautiful conversations. I mean, you guys got to hear them live mm-hmm. and there were some really special moments on that stage. And I did get to record uh, some video on my phone. And So there are some archives of yeah, proof that they actually stuff. happened. We've got some goodies that we're going to release here and there. But um, so yeah, that happened and it was kind of like a, um, a live and learn moment. I'm going to yeah. be way more careful now with how I'm doing everything on that computer. I'm like triple backing things up a hundred million times and mm-hmm. what have you. Uh, yeah but LaFiCon other than the snafu went off pretty well I thought without a hitch yeah it was very great Uh, so okay so now I'm trying to think what we should where we should okay I know where we'll go next because we already kind of talked about it yeah so Steve Ditko creator of Mm -hmm. Spider-Man died at the age of I do believe 92 I just read today and this is a little bit fucked up he died like over a week ago and they just found him Ooh. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, so, I don't want to talk about this. No, I know, but it's comic book news, and you think, I mean, I'm, I'm going to, if you guys don't know S- Steve Ditko, I'm going to literally pull up a list, because there's no way, if I tried, I could name everybody that he helped create, okay? Okay. So, I mean, I can name a majority of them, but... Um, here we go. Characters created by Steve Ditko. Okay. Okay. Adria, Age Genghis, Agent X, Liz Allen, The Ancient One, Angel Devlin, uh, Sunset Ban, Robbie Baldwin, Baron Brimstone, Billy Brain, Billy Connors, Bluebird, Betty Brant, Burglar, Captain Adam, Chameleon, Klee, Clown, uh, Creeper, Crime Master, Dr. Littlejohn, Dr. Spectre, Dr. Strange. Mm. Dormammu, Dragonlord, Eel, Electro, The Enforcers, Eternity, uh, Fancy Dan, Farley Stillwell, Faustus, Frederick Foswell, Matt Gargan, for those of you who don't know, Matt Gargan is Scorpion, uh, (laughs) Great Gambanos, Hank Hall, Hawk and Dove, they're in in a new show, I think The Runaways or something? I haven't seen that. Haven't seen it either. Uh, Human Cannonball, Ion, Jack O'Lantern, Jackal, J. Jonah Jameson, John Jameson, okay, so, uh, Master Khan, Ted Cord, uh, Craven the Hunter, Leader, that's a big, uh, uh, incredible Hulk villain, Ned Leeds, Living Brain, Lizard, Looter, uh, Jason McIndale, Mad Men, Snake Marston, Martha Connors, Aunt May. 
Yeah, May, come on now. <laughs> Melter, Metal Master, Mindless Ones, Missing Man, Mocker, Molten Man, um, Monsteroso, Montana, <laughs> Baron Mordo, Mr. A, Mysterio. I mean, my favorite fucking character in Spider-Man, Mysterio. Yeah. You know, he drew him. I love, I love so much more that I have that first appearance comic now. Amazing Spider-Man 13. It just, it's like, yes. Uh, here's some more. Nightmare, Nightshade, Doc Ock, Oddman, Harry Osborn, Norman Osborn, Ox, Prince Python, Proteus, Punch and Jewelie, Question, Sandman, Shade the Changing Man, Sinister Six, uh, Spencer Smythe, Spider-Man, Spider-Slayer, Squirrel Girl, Gwen Stacy, Stalker, Starman, Static, Melden Storm, Strongman, Supreme One, Glenn Talbot, Terror, Flash Thompson, Taboro, Tinkerer, Uncle Ben, Uncle Ben. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Vera Sweet, uh, Vincent Yachts, Vulture, Mary Jane Watson, Wingy Ames, Wong, and Yogi Berserk. That's, there are so list. many, and there were so many names that are like, cornerstones within the entirety of Marvel's history and lineage. Right. J. Jonah Jameson, Mary Jane Watson, Aunt May. I mean, all these amazing Spider-Man characters were a part of he and Stan Lee's creation, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I think that's a beauty. I think, I mean, a really a genuinely beautiful thing, regardless of the fact that he has passed away. It's huge that his legacy will literally live forever. Oh, Yeah. For forever, like as long as there's pop culture, I don't see it going away though. You know, I mean, like, yeah. uh, so damn, it sucks. It, yeah. It's something we had to cover on the show. Obviously, it's not like we can just be like, well, nothing happened in comics this week, everything's right. pretty chill, you know, like, yeah. oh, and then like Stan Lee, there's an update on his stuff. Mm. So, the restraining order against his former business partner, uh, Kia Morgan, was denied because there was some improper filing of it the wrong person filed it for stan lee so it made it void okay so then the right person just stepped in and refiled the same um restraining order against his former business manager damn that's some bullshit it's crazy i mean he at 95 he's going through a whirlwind of shit well speaking of stan lee we just saw his most recent cameo appearance oh f yes we did veronica He's looking pretty old he does. <laughs> it was a really really funny cameo i liked it, it. was probably his funniest cameo yeah that even, was my favorite even funnier than tony stank and that one got me <laughs> i thought that was great um so we just saw ant-man and the wasp yeah we've never done a as soon as the movie's over let's go podcast about it podcast about it on this show on this show we did it for foodies yeah we did it for foodies mm. But this is a little bit different because JIC is more tangential and there's lots, lots to discuss about Ant-Man and the Wasp. So this is going to be full of spoilers. Shall we say it now? Thank you. Yes. Um, We'll probably start the first like 10 minutes of this spoiler free where we're just going to say like thumbs up, thumbs down, general things. And then once we're ready to like dive into the plot and break down some of the things in the action in the movie and whatnot, we'll really. Okay. Well, I give it it a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Okay, I I also am thumbs up for the movie. I would say it's uh, it's like a four point seven for me. It's really up there. <laughs> uh, it's weird because I think Marvel right now you're literally throwing at the same dartboard of perfection, mm-hmm. and you're just like picking at little tiny things. You know, right? They've got their shit uh, down at this point. 
Example, there's only one thing I dock Ant-Man and the Wasp for. What's that? The majority of the film, mm-hmm. without spoiling anything, mm-hmm. um, did not have any interconnectivity to the rest of the MCU. It's super self-contained. Right. And I thought that that was super refreshing. I mean, it was great. After but I the wanted... fucking dumpster fire that was Infinity War, which, yes, we all agreed that it was the the best Marvel movie, you know. Spoiler the, alert there. I don't know. Haven't we talked about that on like foodies and whatever? Oh, yeah. We've always talked about Infinity yeah, War. Yeah, we liked Infinity ass. War. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, it was weird because Ant-Man and the Wasp, to me, was a movie that... It's hard. That first movie, for me, really stands up there in one of my favorite Marvel movies the all time. The first Ant-Man movie? Absolutely. I mean, See, this is where you and I have a difference of opinion because I thought that movie was completely forgettable. You've only seen it once. That's why. And that's like, the I've had issue. like no interest in rewatching it. But I think if I showed it to you now... Even though I liked it. Yeah. I remember liking it. I just... With Paul Rudd, I keep thinking of that funny SNL... Or not SNL thing. What was it? The Jimmy Kimmel mean, mean tweets. Tweet. Yeah, and he had to read a mean tweet about himself and... It was saying something like, Paul Rudd is like the kind of guy that you sit down for a nice bland spaghetti dinner with and talk about your day. <laughs> and ever since he read that mean tweet, I can't get that image of him just eating spaghetti out of my head. So I'm like, oh, Paul Rudd. He's just very PG. No, you know? he's PR. We already said that. But um, <laughs> This movie was very PG. Yeah, look, I, I love... In a nice way. Okay, you're right, you're right. I want you to, at some point, sit down with me and give Ant-Man another chance. I think you'd really enjoy the movie, now, especially now after seeing that movie. The uh, only thing I remember from the first Ant-Man movie was... Um, what's that guy's name? Uh, Michael Pena? Uh-huh. Yeah. I remember him from that movie. He when was he's hysterical. talking really fast. I thought he stole the whole movie. Like, I'd watch a whole movie with just him. With Luis? Yeah. Well... We got some really special Luis in this movie, too. Yeah, he uh, was my favorite part. I just thought this movie was really fun because it, again, first movie for me is up there. Ant-Man is a character I've really loved. Uh, I feel like... Yeah, I've always liked Ant-Man. Like, my first foray, if you will, into Ant-Man and the Wasp was the animated Ultimate Avengers movie. Yeah. And... I I loved their dynamic together, you know, and the Wasp was like one of my favorites. Yeah. So I, I was really looking forward to this movie. I wanted the first Ant-Man movie to be this movie. Well, it was not. I know, uh-huh. but I don't I don't know. I loved Evangeline Lilly in it. I thought she was way better in this movie than the first Ant-Man movie. Okay. I thought this Ant-Man movie was better than the first one. I'm going to say it. Uh and we'll talk about that for me in a second too, because uh, to 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 finish up on my thought, that first movie was there. There was like a special something, Tales to Astonish thirty five, the first appearance of Ant Man, and it's like uh, a culmination. You know, technically speaking, I don't know if you're aware of this. Ant Man, first Ant Man, mm-hmm. was supposed to be the kickoff movie to the MCU. I didn't know that. Uh, Edgar Wright had been penning it. It was. It had started work right before production of Iron Man. Mm-hmm. They had actually even showed teaser footage of Ant-Man jumping on and running up the gun at San Diego Comic-Con. It was like old long-lost footage. You could mm. you, you see it online, and you're just like, oh, my God, if we actually get that. <gasps> and then we got it, you know, and it was oh, a masterpiece. So going into this movie, I literally went in with no expectations. I said, okay, I hope it's good, but I'm not going to say it's gonna be better or gonna do anything i just want to see what it does mm-hmm. 
it blew me away. It really did. It was a, it was a fun, well put together movie. Great story, coherent narrative that was done beautifully. I thought the music was great. The 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 villain or lack thereof, as it were, antagonists of the film were interesting. It made for a different dynamic. It takes away from that bigger picture when you look at Thanos and what he did in Infinity War. You can't really top that badness. So right. having another same kind of maniacal like a big villain, bad. big bad, show up in Ant-Man, it doesn't really, it's not going to really do it for anybody. Right. So the way they worked around that. In the, this new movie. Brilliant. Yeah, I was thinking like after we finished watching it, I was like, it's like Marvel kind of wrote a, an action rom-com. You know, absolutely. And it wasn't it didn't feel like I was watching a Marvel movie. Like you said, there it wasn't really connected into the MCU, like in the events that were going on during an Infinity War. They like reminded you here and there when they mentioned like Cap's name or what when he was in Germany or whatever. But yeah, uh, so I think we should its officially it's spoiler time. It's spoiler folks. time. We're going to just get into this, dive into I'm the ready. whole plot and talk about what we thought about the movie in detail. Uh, v, I want to know right out the gate, what are your top three moments in this movie in no particular order? What were some of the things that really stood out to you that you really enjoyed? I really liked the part where Luis had the truth serum injection. God, that was funny as shit. Mm-hmm. Like he did the super fast talking, but he... <laughs> well, what's the actor's name? Walton Goggins or something? Yeah. Walden Goggins. Walden Goggins. Yeah. He was on that show Justified. I liked that show. He was back also in, the day. in Vice Principals. He's been in a lot of things. I see him all the time, but he he always plays the perfect smarmy villain. Yes. And he was a good side character in this movie. Another just antagonist. His he didn't really have an altruistic motive or have any like he positive. He wasn't like goal. a big bad. He was just another nuisance they had to deal with an obstacle that was in their way right and uh it was interesting too because he is kind of only in it for one thing the money like he's the bad guy who's in it to get paid at the end like he wants to make the dinero at the end of the thing so that makes him a really basic villain okay whatever he's not really a villain he doesn't have a superpower he's not doing anything great right because i feel like there's so many different like people you're supposed to get emotionally attached to in this movie, they just needed someone else to be a distraction so you don't really care about this person. Like, you know, yeah. like all of the other things that are going on, it's like, oh, well, I can't really fault you for that. Oh, well, you've got this going on, you know. It's like, oh, okay. it's like everybody's kind of fucking up. But... And everyone's stretched too thin, I think, is this other thing mm-hmm. in the movie is everyone's situation gets stretched way too thin, way too fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you asked me. Your top three. three. Yeah. I didn't give you two. So. My last thing that I thought was like my favorite about this movie was the casting uh, of Michelle Pfeiffer as Evangeline Lilly's mom in the movie because I think they look like they could be mother and daughter, you know. And I thought Evangeline Lilly was way better in this movie than the first one. Like she was so great. I loved her. I loved her character. I mean, like she was totally confident and could handle herself. And like I, I really appreciated that about her. She was... I don't know. I liked it. Well, you said that you thought, I mean, you said that the Wasp was one of your favorite characters anyways. So yeah. she's the original Wasp. You got to give her some extra credit. Yeah. The whole movie is centered around finding her. So we get a couple little glimpses here and there of Michelle Pfeiffer in the movie. Mm-hmm. And then we get this like beautiful um, taking of the reins of Evangeline Lilly's um, 
Hope Van Dyne. Mm-hmm. She just becomes the instant badass. Yeah. It's like Paul Rudd's Ant-Man, you're stuck on the sidelines right now, bro. We don't need you. Wasps got it. Mm-hmm. And boy, does she have it. I have a question for you right out of the gate. Back to the Wasp and whatnot. You know that Evangeline Lilly and some of the other leads in the MCU female territory, you're uh, uh, Elizabeth Olsen and uh, Scarlett Johansson. Johansson. And uh, Denai Gararia from Walking, Walking Dead, Dead and uh, Black Panther. Uh-huh. Um, and, oh, oh, Brie Larson is another one. They all are championing for an all-female Avengers movie, like the A-Team from the comics. Mm. And, man. That'd be radical. It would be radical. I would be all for that movie to happen. It's interesting because... I just read that Evangeline Lilly, do you know how she found out she was like equal billing for the movie Ant-Man and the Wasp? Mm -mm. They just sent her an email one day out of nowhere with the title card that was Ant-Man and the Wasp. Mm -hmm. And like she freaked out because she knew she was going to be the Wasp in the second movie. Right. She just thought it was going to be an Ant-Man movie. Mm. So now it's like they've made her just, I mean, and she is so important to the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I should answer the question I asked you, huh? Yeah. My top three for the movie. Okay. uh, Obviously, the Stanley cameo is great. Oh, yeah. That was Um, funny. That's kind of an honorable mention, though. It's because it's just something we need to mention. Mm -hmm. Uh, Talking about doing drugs in the 60s. (laughs) The 60s are finally catching up to me. Yeah, that was funny. Because he goes to get in the car and it gets shrunk. And he thinks it disappeared. He's like, oh, shit. (laughs) Shouldn't have done so many drugs. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that uh, was definitely one of my favorite Stanley cameos. Totally. So that was a great honorable mention moment. But my top three moments in the movie are, uh, honestly, I love the duality and the pain that is in the ghost character. Like mm-hmm. the... I See, I thought she totally bugged. She but, was super annoying. But validated reason for her reasons to disrupt the whole movie and be the other antagonist. Yeah, I suppose. As opposed to, because everybody's trying to get the same thing, which is Hank's lab, which, spoiler alert, you even see it in the trailer, it gets tiny. Yeah, it shrinks. So it's super small. It's portable. And um, it's got some tech in there, the quantum tunnel. Uh, the quantum tunneler, I think is what it's they called. They said the word quantum so many times in this movie. Oh, I know. Man, that, that could be a drinking I game. I was just going to say <laughs> the Ant-Man and the Wasp drinking game. Yeah. You get lit in the first 36 seconds. <laughs> no kidding. Quantum, 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 quantum. And then uh-huh. actually it's funny because Paul Rudd even says, or uh, Scott Lang even says, I should make sure to try to be better about that. Uh, he's like, do you guys just add quantum in front of everything? <laughs> yeah, it seemed like they did. <laughs> really, they they really did, like quantum entanglement. And mm-hmm. um, okay, so moments. Honestly, Bill Foster being in this movie, we get Goliath. Goliath I mean, yeah. not fully. We don't see him uh, developed as Goliath. We well, don't see they him leave giant. him kind of in a position where he might come into play in another movie. Uh, totally, absolutely, well said. And I love the I love the casting. Lawrence Fishburne, yeah, amazing casting for that. I've always liked. Him. Uh, so he's now in both the, the DC and the Marvel universe because he was also Perry White in Superman. Oh, yeah. Wow. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> anyways, another thing I really loved about the movie is, and this would be my third thing, honestly, I loved the humor throughout. It was really a f- 
genuinely funny movie. Yeah, it was a funny movie. This is a movie that I could I could let my little kid watch and yeah. he would think it was funny. It would, and I thought it was funny. Yeah, and it's and it's um not only is it funny, it's clever. There are some interesting little things that they do that are clever. Mm-hmm. I loved the card trick bit throughout the movie. Oh, the, the running movie. gag. Like, yeah. And also how that was funny. Uh, Cassie and her mom and her stepdad mm-hmm. are so loving and embracing to Scott, which is playing on the end of that first movie where they do right. embrace him. They do try to help him get his life on the right track. Right. I um, like that. I like to see... You know, um, families like that supporting each other. Yeah. It's refreshing. Yeah. So it's a nice family film. It was. So we're going to get down <laughs> into like kind of exactly the things that happen and, and dish on them a little bit here. So really the overarching story of this movie is Scott, due to the events of Civil War, is now on house arrest. Right. Which they've mentioned in Infinity War. Correct. He can't do anything. He's got the little ankle bracelet that mm-hmm. means he can't leave. And when we catch up to him, he is, well... He, Three days away from freedom. Yeah, and he's uh, playing with Cassie. And what at first you're kind of like, oh, he's got her tiny. That's cool. <laughs> and then you come to realize that they've just like made a miniature cardboard cave thing to kind of replicate because uh, he's like got a lot tiny. of time on his hands and he can't leave his time. house. And they eventually go down this slide. I wish somebody would have built a massive ass fort like that for me with a slide. For real. It was crazy <laughs> awesome. He probably had the ants do it, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> right. He didn't have them I mean, at that time that in the seemed, movie. Oh, you're right. You're right. He didn't. No. Um, and, and that's another thing that's important to note is that uh, Hank and Hope, not really talking to Scott at the first part of this movie. Right. Uh, and since I haven't seen Ant-Man in a really long time, I kind of like was confused for the first 20 minutes of the movie. Like, wait, why do they hate him? I thought they ended things on good terms. Like, what? Well, they did, <laughs> but then the events of Berlin, mm-hmm. it literally was the, was the betrayal of Hank because he took Hank's suit without asking to Germany, and he didn't ask Hope if she wanted to help. He well, literally left her his partner high and dry, and... They, he was privy that she had that suit, you know. Yeah. So she just feels betrayed by her partner, and she even says it in the movie. She's like, for for how long? For two years? That is that how long they hadn't like spoken? It was supposed to have been for two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I don't well, know. Well, and because you also have to think though, because of his another thing that's important to note is his interaction and in doing the thing he did with Captain America made Hope and Hank guilty of what of breaking the Sokovia Accords what? from Civil War because his suit was used in that, which was that superheroes are not allowed to just go and do shit unless the government sends them to do shit. That's the so Sokovia wait, how Accords. So why is that Hope and Hank's fault because that he did it? Because it's Hank's suit. And they know, the was Avengers know. Was he supposed know, to have destroyed it? I don't, you know, I don't think they really make that part clear. Okay, so then what's the big fucking deal? Why are they in trouble? Because they side with Captain America, technically. I mean, they, they agree with but, the secrecy. But what law did they break? Culpability. It's Hank's oh. suit. It's 100% Hank's suit. The Avengers and, and Tony Stark know that there's only one person that has Ant-Man technology. It's Hank Pym. Okay. So... 
there's only one person that could have given Scott Lang that technology. They're breaking the accords. Well, he took it without asking. They don't know that because Scott had been previously working with Hank. They are allies as far as the Avengers can tell. They don't see the falling out that comes from that. Hmm. There seems to be some legalities that I don't agree with about that, but I'll let it go. Whatever. Fair enough. Okay. So they they establish very quickly in this movie that if Scott leaves his premises, the FBI will show up immediately and shove batons up his behind. Wow. Because <laughs> he's not supposed to leave. And if he leaves, hey, you're trying to escape, man. You're three days from being good. Mm-hmm. Like, don't fuck this up. So we're, We were all rooting for you. Yeah, so after the accidental slip into the fence that he breaks through with his ankle, uh, he decides he's going to take a bath and just zone out because he's by himself and it's time to relax. And he he puts the little fucking um, plastic bag over his his ankle and gets into the tub and he's chilling and he's like zoning out. And all of a sudden he kind of like starts dreaming about the quantum realm from the first movie when he goes subatomic. Uh, in order to save Cassie from Yellow Jacket. So he's like dreaming about that, but then all of a sudden there's these like new things happening, and it's like you see this flash going around him a bunch. And that's not in the movie, but it was like the same shots from the first movie. They just added this new effect on it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And boom. Like he, Scott's opening his eyes, but he feels weird. It's like he he feels like he's lucid dreaming. And he sees somebody open up the closet, and there's this little girl in the closet, and we've been previously established that that's young Hope Van Dyne. And then he looks in the mirror, and he like kind of has a panic because he realizes he's he's Janet right now. And he comes to, and he for the first time he, he even told the FBI earlier he's like I don't I haven't talked to Hope and Hank in two years like we're not really on the best terms right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, he calls them on a burner phone. And leaves this message. It's like, hey, I don't know if this means anything. I don't know if it matters. But I like, I'm pretty sure I saw your mom in a dream. It was weird. And there was like this girl in a closet. I'm not really sure, whatever. And the next thing he knows, he's getting abducted from his house, mm-hmm. which is very Ant Man esque. Just like, okay, well, you're on house arrest. We're going to break that rule. We're going to figure your way around it. And it right. was clever how they did that, I thought, using an Antony esque character mm-hmm. to just like become Scott. I love all the names. I love all of the names that he gives his aunts. Antonio Banderas. <laughs> Antonio. <laughs> oh, what was there? Was, was another quite, one. It was a Wilson moment. Yeah, it was. Wilson. It abs- and we'll get into that in a second. But so, uh, running alongside of this, Hope and Hank are trying to come up with the way to get to the quantum world, to the quantum realm, as it were, to rescue her mother, to rescue Janet. So, like all of this stuff hinges on what they say quantum entanglement we're just supposed to say okay this all is happening because of quantum entanglement well quantum entanglement i actually understand the science behind it it's um particles that are bound together and ripped apart constantly so they aren't ever fully like matter Mm -hmm. they're constantly phasing which is exactly what ghost's character did right right so the quantum entanglement thing's cool and i love that they i'm just saying like they just are explaining this whole thing away with oh yeah just quantum entanglement don't worry about it it's real it's it's okay this makes sense we we promise this makes sense just well i think do you think they hope that people will uh go google stuff 
Like we're gonna go home. What is quantum entanglement? A real I hope so because quantum physics is pretty cool. It is crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. Like there could be a whole podcast on this network about quantum physics because it's <laughs> mind bending. Every time I think about quantum physics, though, I think of that scene in Men in Black when he uh, didn't want to shoot the little girl who was holding the book that said quantum quantum mechanics oh, or quantum yeah, physics yeah, on it or something. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, no, that's the one that he shot that's because the, that was yeah, the alien. That's the alien. Yeah. Because oh, what little ten year old girl is going to be studying quantum mechanics <laughs> yeah. at the, in the back alley at this time of night? With all these monsters with around. All these monsters running Something's around. Like, yeah. She clearly the alien. Yeah, great movie. This guy, he's just trying to get a workout on. Her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that movie. Men in Black I is know. my jam. We watched uh, that with Oliver, and he loved it. It's too. So good. Uh, okay, so back to it. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was abducted by Janet or Hope. And Hank Pym. And they essentially say, like, look, we opened the quantum realm for five seconds with our uh, quantum tunneler, and you called right after that. So there's a correlation. You somehow got the signal. We're trying to figure it out. You're the key to finding mom. Sure. Quantum entanglement. So they are buying parts off the black market from this dude. Your Walden Goggins character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sonny. I don't know. Sonny something. Sonny B. I can't remember. I can't remember what the last name was. Burke, maybe? I have no idea. Uh, Sure. So uh, (laughs) he's going to sell her like the last part to make this thing work. The component. And essentially, he comes to light that he knows who she really is. Double and dealing. now I've already started trying to sell your building for a billion dollars. And you have to be my partner or else. Right. And she's like, look, just give me the fucking thing. And like, <laughs> it'll make everything easier. You guys yeah, don't know who you're dealing boss. with. And they're like, whatever, this girl's crazy. And then she goes all wasp on them and whips that ass. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, she's got it. Fuck yeah. And then bam, here's the other antagonist of the movie showing up because Ghost appears for the first time, phasing in and out, trying to steal the component. I think she finally does steal the component. And Ugh, then this whole movie was just cat, like cat and mouse the whole it time. It was back and forth, back and forth. So she goes back to her like little her lair lair and she's got this weird chamber that like vibrates into her and that, that sounds bad but <laughs> uh, that's not a chamber for anyway she's got a, a chamber that keeps her body from phasing thank you the quantum entanglement her atoms are unstable absolutely because they're quantum entanglement jesus christ maybe that's the episode title <gasps> quantum entanglement oh my god probably okay that's actually great uh okay so <laughs> They're trying to find the building, and they're trying to figure out what the hell's going to go on, and all hope, again, is lost, and they're trying to figure out how to track the building, and they come to the conclusion they're going to go ask Bill Foster, Goliath. Mm-hmm. He makes his debut. There was some funny banter. We had already got that banter in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the one thing I wish they wouldn't have done is give that away in the trailer. It I feel like they gave, away, they gave away a lot in the trailer. Yeah, kind of. I think that it was... Maybe they were a little bad about that in this movie. Like a lot of people give Spider Man the grief, like oh, you told the whole fucking movie of Spider Man in the yeah. trailers. This these one's tra- a little closer. Trailers are just like so long these days. Like we've been watching a lot of old '80s movies, and I've been appreciating seeing the trailers for like these older '80s and '90s movies because they're presented totally different than how trailers are now. Like. 
I don't, I don't know. It's just some observation that I made. We'll talk about 80s movies shortly. Oh, yeah. That's going to be on, on foodies. <laughs> yeah. So we've got some plans for that. But uh, Tangent City, sorry. So we come to learn that Ghost is phasing, and the thing she needs is for Janet to, like, charge her with the quantum atoms to, like, make her solid. Yeah, she wants to, like, siphon and extract this chick's energy from being energy. in yeah the quantum energy to heal her and make her stable i mean janet had been in the quantum realm for 30 years could you imagine what that would do to somebody's mental like what the fuck happened to her that she ugh, spoilers. i hope we find out is the, <laughs> is the answer to that question i really do hope we find out and uh, i have an interesting theory on when we're gonna find out we'll get into that in a minute okay so uh the, the, now we know the reason everybody's going after the building because it all comes down to the the, the quantum stuff. They all stuff. want the tech. They all want that quantum shit. <laughs> that quantum shit. They want that quantum shit. They need that quantum shit. <laughs> That's the episode title, that quantum shit. <laughs> uh, so anyways, it, it, the movie kind of flips because we learn once they track down the building train of our existence making its return to the podcast for the first time in a few weeks uh we've been without for a while but it decides to it's show back. up it's back welcome back train how you been anyway okay so they go to get the building and the double cross reveal comes and bill foster is helping ghost mm-hmm. and then we get the sob story of why you know mm-hmm. and it's like her parents were killed and she was left to become this kind of monster and it was kind of hank's fault because he fired her father and, and he explained that as that dude stole his shit or whatever and of course two sides to the same story you right. know you don't know who's right and who's wrong but it so left this her lady this mess. is super pissed and in pain from this accident since she was a child and this bill is helping her and trying to do the right thing because he knew her father because they all work together. Right. So it's hard to feel like, it's hard to know how to feel about these characters. So it was really interesting because there were some pretty funny moments in the in the interrogation sequence when Bill and Ghost are holding uh, Hope, Hank, and Scott hostage. Mm-hmm. Because there's the phone ringing. Oh yeah, it is ringtone. Ca- it's Cassie. Wasn't it like ducks quacking or something? Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was pretty funny. It's like the worst interrogation situation ever. So then like it, 911, it's an emergency. It's 911, it's an emergency. Let me talk to my daughter. And they're like, dude, you're an interrogation. Like we're right. You're our hostage right now. Shut the hell up. Like <laughs> right. there's what? You're not in a position to make demands. <laughs> not even close. And then he's like, come on, 911, it's an emergency. She's FaceTiming. It's a real emergency, you know? And then it's, where are my soccer shoes? Yeah, it's always something like that. And it's just, a, oh, okay, well, now it's not really an emergency, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Hank faked a heart attack, which was brilliant. Yeah, that was smart. Uh, it was very clever. They went to reach for the, the Altoid tin full of medicine, and a bunch of giant-ass ants exploded out of it. Damn, it was crazy. Uh, and then they, that, I loved seeing all of the giant ants because it reminded me of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Do you, you know? want to know something funny? That little ant. Um, Peyton Reed, director of this movie, tried to secure a Rick Moranis cameo for this movie. Oh, that would have been so dope. He could not lock it in. He could not lock it in. Rick Moranis is doing things again, isn't he? Yeah, but I don't... I Maybe maybe for the next movie. We'll see. We'll hmm. see how that all goes down. Uh, so, it, it, it's funny because 
Hank and everybody's kind of like, okay, well, if we can get Janet back, then she can maybe fix the ghost lady, and then all of our problems are solved. Right. Um, but then now they got to kind of, oh, and we haven't even talked about like Luis and his team. They've got like their oh, their security, their budding security installation business, and they're just hilarious. Yeah, and fun. They were the comic relief. Uh, I loved I I love Ti. He's really he's really growing on me because of these Ant Man movies. Like his his role is funny, and that other dude I can't ever think. He's got a really long name. The Start Russian guy with two D's. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he's in so many superhero things. Is he? Gotham. I feel like I've seen him in a million things. Gotham, The Flash, Ant Man. What was he in Gotham? Uh, he's uh, 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 in Gotham. He was the guy who tried to bring Jerome back. The guy that claimed he oh. was Jerome, the crazy dude that wore Jerome's skin. Ooh. Yeah, that was him. I don't remember. And then he was Abracadabra in The Flash, the future villain. I feel like I remember that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, back to this yeah, movie. Yeah, th- I like him in this role. Yeah, great again. <laughs> and uh, again, Luis is my favorite character. There are some interesting things that are happening because they keep getting tipped off to the FBI that Scott's broke out. So yeah. Scott keeps having like rush home and do shit and things. And there was like a really funny thing with Cassie showing up and like stalling mm-hmm. the FBI dude, which was uh, Randall Park, who was in the interview. Yeah. He played Kim Jong un in the interview. <laughs> Yeah, he was funny in this movie. He was adorable. Isn't he also on a show called uh, Fresh Off the Boat? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I've only seen a couple, three or four episodes, but uh, he's pretty funny. Uh, Cool to have him in the MCU. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think what happened after. Okay, so I guess we'll get to the the finale of the movie, like the the best parts where... I just wanted to say before we get to the end sure. that I, I liked the scene where they had to break into his kid's elementary school to get the The, the other Ant-Man suit, suit. yeah, Because he said that he destroyed the suit and then he got shit for it and then he revealed that he really didn't destroy the suit and, and then he like, got more shit for it. Oh my God, you destroyed my life's work. You destroyed all my hard work. How could you do that, Scott? Yeah. And then come to find out he didn't. He's, he's like, like, you didn't destroy my suit. How could you do that, Scott? <laughs> it was your life's work. It was your life's work. Like, what would you expect me to do? But no, I like the scene where they were in the elementary school and his suit keeps malfunctioning, you know. And uh, he got stuck as like child size. And it was just, it was hilarious. Yeah, like seven year old size. This movie was definitely refreshing in the MCU because it wasn't like another Marvel movie. It was yeah. more like an action rom com. It definitely is. And an I, I liked rom-com. that. It, it was lighter. It was funnier. It's one. It's another movie, just very much like Ant Man and like uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier. It takes you out of the superhero because it puts you more in like this was again a cat and mouse heist movie, yeah, mixed with a rom com. Very little superhero aside from the powers being utilized of shrinking and getting bigger and smaller. Yeah, but and that- you were saying this would have been a really good movie to see in three D because we didn't see it in three D. I would have loved to see it in 3D. I mean, yeah, like this the, would have been a good one for 3D. The giant Pez coming at your face and like being in the quantum realm and seeing yeah. that in 3D. And I mean, thinking about it, this was a really fun movie. The Quantum Void is interesting because it reminded me of some of the alternate universe realms in Doctor Strange when he's discussing mm-hmm. realms, the way that it was like the shattered glass and yeah, like, like a kaleidoscope looking things. Makes me believe that's going to be how Scott gets out. 
Oh, we can't talk about that yet. Well, we are doing spoilers. Let's just finish. Yeah, we'll finish talking about we'll, it. We'll get through it. So yeah. uh, they're going to go into the quantum realm, but it's going to kind of be like uh, because of the situation, because everybody's after them, they're going to kind of have to do this on the run. Right. So they're going to take and they're going to put Hank in the quantum realm with his quantum tunneler, and then they're going to shrink him down. To the quantum size. No, they're going to shrink the building down, right, while he's already tiny. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to put that in a regular size vehicle. And then they're going to drive it around and do whatever they got to do while he's doing Try that. To run away. And then hopefully they can land the building somewhere safe, boom, and then bring Hank and Janet hopefully back. Because they're going to. They have to have the building get larger before they can bring Hank back. Another thing to mention the way they find Janet is because she overtakes Scott's body. Because of quantum entanglement. entanglement. Yes. <laughs> that quantum shit. Let, you don't say. That quantum shit. Uh, Jesus. So <laughs> she essentially takes over Hank, or takes over Scott, and it's a really funny moment because it's Scott like loving and showing affection to Hope and Hank as if he was... Yeah, it was unsettling trying to see him uh, be Michelle Pfeiffer. But nobody she, can be Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh my she, God. She's mm-hmm. like, I've had 30 years to figure out how to get me back. And she like goes into the computer and she types in all this fucking programming. How the fuck has she been alive for 30 years? What has she been eating? Where's she been living? What but has she been doing? She's in the quantum realm. Time doesn't exist like it exists here. Like nothing. So how did she experience it? She's trapped there. Yeah. If you could shrink and no, listen. No, I know that. That's not what I'm asking. Okay. What was her experience like for, for the 30 past years. 30 years? What did she experience? She probably experienced like literally time bending around her at all twists and turns. For how long? How long did she consciously was aware that she's been gone? 30 years. So she's been by herself thinking for 30 years. Yeah, but she's already a genius scientist. So of course she didn't go like mad. She was already probably fucking crazy. It probably helped her get for some resolve. 30 Isn't that years. crazy? What did she eat? She didn't have to eat. The quantum realm She just realm floated breaks. there for 30 years thinking? Yeah. And you don't think she went crazy? Maybe she did. Maybe we'll find out that she's the Is villain she like in the next movie. Villain? Maybe she's the big bad. That's Those 30 years are going to catch up with her and she's going to... Telling you. She's going to go cuckoo. Mm-hmm. Well, we haven't discussed the end credits scene. We'll this is there. all we'll unimportant conjecture. Let's get back to what we're okay. talking about. So... <laughs> I loved the use of shrinking and biggie sizing the vehicle while they were in the chase. Yeah, that was cool. Very cleverly done. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Pena gets to do that also, and he has some fun with that mm-hmm. using the little tiny like uh, to, uh, 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 Fast and the Furious Three Tokyo Drift looking little like rice purple car. car with a fire on it. Yeah, yeah, and he's like. You know, just speed demoning around and getting tiny. I loved tiny. that they had to pick a different Hot Wheel looking thing from their Hot Wheels case. That yeah, was adorable. That was an OG Hot Wheels case from like <laughs> the seventies. It was great. They uh, had their pick of cars. So it's a clever movie. While this is all happening, Hank is going into the quantum realm and he breaks through the quantum void and he's at the like the wastelands and time runs out. Yeah. And he's certain that he's lost janet it's done you know in his head you can kind of tell he's starting to check out like no time's out we've lost her and uh she all of a sudden you think you see her but you don't really see her and you're a little bit confused and then 
boom, Hank is in his house. Well, yeah, because he was losing his damn mind, and which he was warned about. Hope is there. And Scott's there. Bill Foster's there? What? And then a weird thing comes out, and you're... I've, I was like, the wasp. <laughs> it is it is Janet Van Dyne, you know? And I was like, oh my God, what if her face is all fucked up? Because you could see like a broken wing behind her. Yeah, and I was like w- kind of expecting the worst, you know? Mm-hmm. And then she like touched the dream version of Hank, and then the next thing you know, boom, you're snapped out of it, and she's really there. In the quantum realm with them. And they have this like amazing embrace, and the payoff from the first movie and not having her there and this tragic story of losing her in the quantum realm. And yeah. Everything having a reason and a payoff. I mean, Scott going to the quantum realm and that like creates the future for what we have now. It's brilliant writing. Yeah. You have to really like give them some credit there. Uh, So they are stuck in the quantum realm for a minute Mm -hmm. because, well, the building's not big enough to bring them back and they can't break through the building being and become full size. Right it'll kill them so the chase finishes up and like there's all this craziness going on and uh what's his face goggins walden goggins mm-hmm. fucking slimy bastard steals <laughs> the building defended. finally he finally gets his hands on the building mm-hmm. and he gets on this ferry which i love scott's like how did he even have time to buy a ticket like, how did he buy a ticket in the short amount of time? That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Scott goes giant man size. Funny to note that if you were paying attention to the little miniature tenth of a second audio in the background, they say how big he was in that moment. How big? 85 feet, which That's breaks right. his record. I did hear that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. he says, because he says in the office that he was 65 feet. Right. With, so he broke his record. So he by 20 feet, he's huge. And he takes and he picks the building out and he like, he's been giant man for too long because his regulator's still not working on his suit. That's thing. That's a running theme. He throws the building down and he collapses in the water. Wasp has to save him. It was awesome. Yeah. Love going. She saves the day over and over in this movie. The building gets biggie sized because of Ghost, actually. Yeah. And she's going to... Extract the energy. Just like she said she was going to. Her quantum... That quantum shit. That quantum shit. And... um, (laughs) That good shit. That good quantum shit. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh... It's getting late. (laughs) So she starts to, and Janet in the quantum realm is like breaking down and changing and like it's affecting her. Mm-hmm. And Bill's like, you can't do that. You have to stop. And then Ant-Man and Wash show up and they kick ass and they stop her from doing it. Yeah. It's like a beautiful team up thing. And then Ant-Man becomes giant man to save Wasp right as the ship is becoming full size and oh, and hits Ghost. Could have yeah, killed her, didn't. Crashed into uh, her. And then another huge, brilliant emotional moment. Janet Van Dyne is the first down of the pod. Yep, and her she got to reunite with her daughter. I'm sitting there going, "Oh my god, they killed Hank. Where's <laughs> Hank? Why is he coming out? Like where why is where's Hank? But Hank." And then it's funny because it's like they answer my question. Hank crawls out of the rubble mm-hmm. like, "Don't nobody ask about me. I'm fine." <laughs> like, "I'm okay." Well, they needed to have their emotional their moment. Absolutely, and it was beautiful just to have her there. I really can't get over how much they do look like they could be mother and daughter 
They have beautiful faces. And it's brilliant that Evangeline Lilly like championed for Michelle Pfeiffer to get that role, as did Peyton Reed, and they got her as Janet Van Dyne and yeah, did, weren't you telling me that they were like writing this role with her in they mind? They literally wrote the role as if she was going to play it, even though they couldn't guarantee she was going to play the role. I've always loved Michelle Pfeiffer. She's always, I've mentioned it before on other podcasts. She's always been one of my favorites. Absolutely. She's great. She's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So she sees ghost suffering mm-hmm. and she fixes it. She's yeah, used with her quantum powers. Quantum powers. That quantum shit. Back at it again, you know. So, you know, sensing a theme fixes her, and all is right with the world. Hooray! Scott goes back. the The FBI try to catch him yet again. They see the giant man. That's another running gag. Them trying to catch him in the act of not being home, and it doesn't. And I love that he's. It's he gets a one up on him every time. It's it's really cleverly done. It's funny. So. And he's starting to get his kid in on like the lies and the thievery and the deception. Which, oh my God, because <laughs> if they do this right, they could eventually make her stature from the Marvel Comics universe. And oh my God, that would be awesome if Cassie became stature. Because that little girl even said in a recent interview she would love to eventually become stature in the MCU if they oh, want no to kidding. go that route. Cool. So, it, I mean, it would be, that would be a cool thing. I mm-hmm. think it would be, it'd be, uh, it would be definitely worth it to see it that could, happen it could be marvel's answer to the incredibles yeah with having a family superhero movie yeah it definitely could it would be it would definitely be excellent so the whole movie wraps with like the big feel good moment and scott's back with the family and he's finally free from the uh the ankle monitor the ankle monitor a, and everything is cool and the movie's over <gasps> oh yeah can i say this next part oh yeah we can so <laughs> the credits roll and then and it was a great movie i liked that movie it ended on a nice note and then we get our first end credit scene and uh then you realize that this whole movie was pointless because thanos still fucking wins hold on you got to set it up though go ahead i thought you were gonna set it up you want me to set it up i said what i needed to say okay okay (laughs) so you said what you need to say but you didn't tell him any of the juicy bits here's the first end credits folks so they're in the back of the uh, the con artist's van of tricks that uh, they utilize now as their business van. And they've got the quantum tunneler up on a roof. They made a miniature, or a smaller one. Well, they just shrank it. A van size. They just one. shrank it. Yeah. You know. Um, and a they're, van size. They're one. essentially going to send Scott to the quantum realm. He's going to take a, th- a capsule that's going to suck up all this quantum energy. So they can like continuously give this medicine to ghosts so she can consistently heal and get back to normal, right? So she's not permanently fixed. She's going to need quantum juice. That good quantum shit. That that good quantum shit. Uh, It's there, too. It's definitely there. That's so the episode title. I don't even care. Uh, So here's the best part. Scott goes into the quantum realm. He opens up this canister. It takes in the energy. He closes the canister. Everything's cool. They're like, okay, we're going to count down from five and then bring you back. Five, four, three. Static. And at that moment, I was like, oh, shit. <sighs> Infinity War. And then we come I'm, back to the other side. The other side 
is three tufts of ash falling, of falling to the ash. ground. And Hope After all that. And Hank and Janet are all lost Could to you, the snap. Could you imagine how terrifying it would be to be Scott in that position? Yeah, he's fucking stuck in the quantum realm. He has become Janet, essentially, in this moment. How long do you think he's going to be in there? You know, I don't know, because he could, if he has some of the blue dudes... Because that's where they left it, by the way. Yeah, but he's already got out of the quantum realm once before with the blue dudes. Uh-huh. So if he had a blue dude on him, one of the like largey-style things, mm. he could probably do it that way. Um, but I don't know. Alternately, the quantum realm, if he's trapped there long enough, he could maybe find his way into another realm, like a soul realm, like a mm. soul stone, like... Where Gamora and all of the souls that were snapped out of existence went. You think that's alert. how they're going to get them out? Duh, you did not kill Black Panther <laughs> and Spider-Man and fucking Doctor Strange and fucking Janet Hope and Hank Pym. Like, come on now. Yeah. Come on now. Totally. That did not happen. Correct. So they're going to find a way around it. Scott's the key. I think that's one of the parts. I think that Hawkeye is going to be fighting Skrull for the majority of the next Avengers movie. I'm. So... Do you think people are going to see a Hawkeye-driven movie? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Jeremy Renner's dope. He's I, definitely great. I agree. I love, Jeremy. I love Jeremy Renner. I don't know why he gets such a bad rap, though. Well, I think the whole he, Hawkeye thing. Well, that's funny. <laughs> well, the Hawkeye thing was explained against Sokovia Accords. He broke the Accords. He stayed MIA. No, I'm talking about the whole, like, everybody forgets about Hawkeye kind of thing. I like, think, he's just off in the corner by I himself. Think that's what Infinity War did. It broke that status quo because everyone was asking the whole entire time. So you think he's going to come in and help save the day? Well, I think he's going to be on a different mission that has nothing to do with Thanos. I think that the scroll are going to have had their stronghold. We think half the population's gone. Mm -hmm. So what better way? What if it was like all of a sudden everybody comes back to normal and everyone's like, oh, what? What's weird? But then it's the scroll imitating. That's what they do. They are shapeshifters. And that's going to be, look, eight months. August, September, October, November, December, January, February, and then March. That's eight of them, okay? Mm -hmm. Until Captain Marvel. (laughs) <laughs> eight months we have to wait but there's another post credit scene and it was i think it was a little bit of just like comic levity to kind of not leave such a dark taste in your mouth mm-hmm. i heard some people complaining like oh, that was the dumbest second post credit scene i could have ever seen it was like uh it was really dumb because it didn't like it didn't tell me anything. Well, because it was literally just one of the giant ants playing on Scott's drum kit. It was fucking hilarious. It was great. It, it, it. I, I thought it was funny, but I was definitely pissed off that I sat through those entire really excessively long end credits just to see that. Lots of people worked on that movie. Uh huh. <laughs> so I appreciate all their hard work. I loved the movie, guys. Great job. But that was a really anticlimactic wait. You know. All right, V. Well, before we wrap it here, you and I are going to take a quick breather. Myself and Matthew Waite are going to take over. We're going to talk about his journey for a little bit. You and I are going to come back at the end of this here, say goodbye to everybody, get ourselves out of here, and call it an evening. So now, before we go, here is my interview from LafayCon 2018 with the one and the only Matthew Waite. And we are back with Matthew Waite. 
at LafayetteCon, Journey into Comics Network, doing a panel here with Dick. Welcome to the show. Matt, how you doing? Thanks for having me, and Dude, doing it, quite well. It's great to have you here. Now, a little bit of funny backstory that we've never discussed, okay? And this is so far back, you probably forgot. In 2014, when Journey into Comics started, right? I'm just doing a podcast in my house. Like, I have no idea what the point of it is. And for our banner for the network, I used your art for our, like, OG first page, the Deadpool 8-bit. And, like, I think we were friends, and you didn't realize it at the time. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, hey, let me give you credit. My bad. I'm such an idiot. And then we moved on from there. But it's good to finally have you on the show, you know? Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I, and honestly, I don't remember. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I wouldn't expect you to remember. Hey, at least you gave credit. Yeah, man, you have to. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, at, at, at the time, I didn't realize you were behind the art because I had seen the art before it officially released. Yeah. And, of course, I bought it. I have it right behind me right now. But uh, So, anyways, let's go to your journey. I want to know, like, back at the beginning, you do covers for Marvel. You've done art for all kinds of things. Where does your journey with art and, and being a comic book artist begin? To be honest with you, it started, I want to say, I'm trying to remember the year now. Uh, I want to say it was like 94, 95, and my grandfather bought me my first comic at the Circle K in Beeville, Texas. Whoa. So I picked up the... Spider-Man 359 with Cardiac. Yes. That's like uh, 359 is two or three issues before Carnage, Carnage shows yeah. up. And they were in like right in between the McFarland had just finished a long string. I think he went to like 327 or 29. Yeah, this was the Larson, and then, the redone of Larson. Yeah. Or no, it's the Larson arc because after McFarland... It was Larson from like 316 to 359, 360, 360, because Carnage was 361. Absolutely. So I, I hopped in right at the right time, I think. Did you immediately after that first book with Spider-Man versus Cardiac start getting them monthly? Like yeah, yeah I, co I continued my Spider-Man collection from 358 to... His parents came back, so that would have been 397? That was, like, right around the time they were prepping for uh, the changeover when they did Volume 2 for a short time. Yeah. And then they transitioned it back to um, the numbering system. Yeah. It was really weird. They had the two numbers on the Yeah, I got, I got out right before the Clone Saga. Oh, good, good timing, <laughs> I think, right? Uh-huh. I always had I always had impeccable timing with Spider-Man arcs. I guess so. I mean, <laughs> jump in right before Carnage, jump out right before Clones. I mean, brilliantly done. It's funny. That's my largest collection is Amazing Spider-Man. My my current run is 100 to 700, and then I have like a bunch of. Oh, that's just a couple books. Just a just few. just a couple, just a two three books. Yeah, I've been I've been collecting a long time, but yeah. it's still about your story. So you're collecting these books, you're reading these books, you love them. Yeah, the art is hooking you. Or is it at that point you start going, I'm just going to try to do this myself? Well, I've always been into drawing ever Excellent. since I was five years old. But what, what, what actually dictated that, like, oh, crap, I really want to do this was I went back and I got one of those essential Spider-Man trades. Yes. And I read The Death of Gwen Stacy. 
Oh my God! Amazing Spider-Man one twenty one one twenty two. Yeah, and that just that that was the thing that took that hook and just latched right onto me. I'm like, that was brilliant storytelling out out of nowhere, just bam, hit you right in the feels. A hundred percent. That is such an emotionally driven yeah. story, and it's funny because you've seen a lot of the major moments from that book in the movies they've done, not all together. The whole thing is, is that it's still resonating with Peter exactly. to this day. Exactly. He is still torn because of that moment. Like Uncle Ben, between Uncle Ben and Gwen Stacy, he is just the... I, I, I always thought of Spider-Man kind of like uh, Wesley on Angel and okay. Buffy. Yeah. The or uh, he he's that just that horror or that 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 hero that even if he does right, everything goes wrong. Damned if he does, damned yeah. if he doesn't. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. So that's that's and I've always related to that because it's just that is just a great tortured hero. Absolutely. So you really latched onto Spider Man yeah. hard. Yeah, and you're hooked. Yeah. Is there anything else that like? jumped in there that you tried to read that you did or didn't get into or was it just laser focusing on spidey it wasn't just that it was um that's that's right around the point where image started taking hold and like the first three arcs of spawn were great um first like 25 to 30 issues yeah absolutely and then uh what i really really enjoyed and i'm so happy that it's coming back the max Yes, I saw the Maxis coming yeah. back. Uh, it was like a month or two from now. They're yeah, doing a, a exactly. Re- it's just that? like that was just brilliant storytelling. And the art of Sam Keith back in the day always blew my mind. And he was one of those artists that I, no matter what it was, I had to grab his art. The Marvel 2-1-1s, everything. I had to grab Sam Keith art. It was just like that. Um, I always blink on names, but... Uh, the artist that did Arkham Asylum and oh. the New Mutants covers. Uh, now you got me blanking. Yeah, it's, I, he has three names, and I, I don't know why I blank on I I'm horrible. It's not John names. Tyler Christopher. No, I promise. No, <laughs> uh, no but uh, Sam Keith's art, would you say he is the, like, your. I don't. I hate to use this word. You're like largest inspiration. No, actually, it, my inspiration comes uh, as of late. I, I I always dabbled into. I always. I actually. I always believed in emulating when you're first starting out, especially really, really young. Emulate your art, your favorite artist, then combine aspects from each one to create your style. Absolutely. So growing up, it was always McFarlane. Lee, then I got into you know like Bagley, and I I told when I met Bagley I totally Chris Farley'd in front of him. Really? Yeah, I'm just like, dude. Um, do you remember that time that you drew Carnage? <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> and, and and then do you remember that other time you drew Carnage? Yeah, that was awesome too. Yeah. Do, do 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 you remember when you draw drew the drew the Ultimate Spider Man? That was awesome. That original Ultimate Spider Man art was amazing. See, I I loved it because it. I'm really big into something that happens in the first issue, pays off in issue 
150. Yeah, don't give it to me right away. Yeah, yeah. Just just let me let me enjoy it. And when it finally pays off, it's just it just hits you like a ton of bricks. Then you want to go back and read it again. A great comic should yeah. make you always want to read it again. So moving forward, you're into all these books. You're really loving on comics in general. Uh in school, did you pursue art as well, or did you just hate <laughs> My it? teachers hated me so much in school. Oh, no. Oh, they hated me. So throughout most of my classes, that's all I did was draw. That's it. But the whole thing was that they, they used to yell at me for drawing in class, <clears throat> but I was drawing what they were saying. Those were my notes. Whoa. That's neat. Like in English class, we're talking about the Scarlet Letter, and I'm drawing the Scarlet Letter as we're talking about it. That's actually incredible. It seems like, I mean, in some form, that sounds like you kind of have synesthesia. Like you were hearing the, the way they were teaching you, and it, you were automatically able to translate that into the art you wanted to see that was yeah. able to direct you to learn what you needed to learn. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what it was, and they used to get so mad at me for doing it. I'm just like... They're like, what are, what are you drawing? I'm like, what you were saying, see? Here's everything that you were just saying about in my notes. And then did any teacher at any point give you a break? And was like, oh, I get it now. Like, no, cool. God, no. They no. just rode you the whole time. Yeah, exactly. I got into so much trouble, got so many detentions. That's lame. Yeah. Do you say, look at me now? I would love to. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I didn't like some of my teachers either, yeah. so that's like one of those big moments. So you're getting out of high school. Did you do the college thing? I did one year of college at the American Academy of Art in Chicago, which was a mistake. Because when I went in there, I said, hey, I want to do comic books for the rest of my life. They're like, Alex Ross came here. Do what Alex Ross did, and you'll become successful in comics. And I'm like... That's not your style, though. It's not my style, but if I do exactly what Alex Ross does, they can get Alex Ross. Exactly. He's still here. He's right down the road. Yeah, he's totally doing yeah. his own thing. So, like, my, my, my college that I went to for the one year was famous for the guy that created Quaker Oats. Okay. The, the, the logo for Quaker Oats. The guy that did Mortal Kombat and Alex Ross. That's an interesting three, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you were yeah. just like, I don't need to go here. You, no, you I, I decided that I wasn't going to waste another $60,000. Yeah. The specialty schools are ridiculous. Yeah. And, and, you know, the class size was great. Everything was great in it. Um, WGCI in Chicago was in the top of our floor. So I got, I got to see a lot of rappers come in and got harassed by R. Kelly's uh, bodyguards what? a couple times. And, yeah, it was fun. That sounds it was fun. ridiculous. Yeah. I feel like you have so many ridiculous stories like that. Oh, it's because it's, it's Chicago and... You know, I got I got a radio station on in my floor and everything. So I'm outside having a cigarette. R. Kelly pulls up with his three Cadillac things. I see him get out, walk up to the the other side of the building to get into the elevators to go up and everything. And one of his bodyguards is leaning against the Cadillac, just standing there waiting to protect the the Cadillacs. And I just look him dead in the eyes. I'm just still having my my because Chicago's ridiculous with their cigarette prices. I'm going to smoke it. The whole thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm going the whole thing. He's like, what are you looking at? I'm just like, dude, you pulled up in front of me. I was here first. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is expensive. 
I'm a college student. I'm going to enjoy this. And then I'll get out of your hair. Right? Yeah, exactly. And then did you run in fear like, oh, my God, that was crazy. Why did I say that? No, no, I'm, an, I'm, I'm a dick. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. You're just like, I don't care. Uh, okay, so you do the thing at college, yep. and you realize you're like 60K. I'm guessing Sally Mae is a word you know. I'm guessing they – Sally Mae, did you get a loan through them? or did No, you no, no. I'm, uh, I don't know where my loans came from. Totally. I just, I just write the check. <laughs> so you decide college isn't the right path. What yep. did you do after that? Because it's almost like you could spiral at that point. Like, what am I doing now? Yeah, yeah. And it, it – like I said, it was always comics. So I started messaging different artists, going to Wizard World Chicago when it was still good, talking to artists. Okay, what, what's my next steps? Um, so the first year I went, I just figured out the lay of the land. Okay, the, what do I have to do to do this? So when they came back around, I had samples. Oh. So I... And, um, so when they came back around, and this is 2002, um, this is when I met Philip Sablik, who is the current, uh, he runs Boom, and that's when I met a young editor, C.B. Sobolski. So they dictated, okay, the, you know, do this, this, and this, come back next year, we'll see what we can do. Came back, I did exactly what they said, and above and beyond, because oh, that's all I did was study comics. Okay, or oh, you did this and this, this is great, now do X, Y, and Z. So 2004 is when I started doing like just pure inking samples. Uh, because in 2003, like, well, you just did a couple samples of inking, these are great, focus on that, and then work on the other stuff too. So that's when I started doing that. And then, like, my first big break was 2007 San Diego Comic-Con. So I started doing digital inking. Sweet. Uh, back when it was fledgling. And I turned in my samples over to DC. My first big break was in DC Comics. Really? Yep. And I worked on the Green Lantern movie. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so my first professional official work in comics was the Green Lantern movie. That's actually an incredible notch on the belt. It it was. And I mean, regardless of how the movie did, I you know, and you got to think that like behind the scenes, I know a lot about Greg Berlanti, and I know that he had a whole different vision for that movie. Yeah, and that's not what we saw, so we yep. can't judge that. But like the opportunity of a lifetime comes to your door. Oh man, it was Green Lantern with Ryan Reynolds, who I used to watch on Two Guys, a Girl, in a Pizza Place. Come on. You were sold. Oh, yeah. I was so ready for that. So what did they have you doing for the movie? <laughs> I helped uh, Randy Green with some of the costume designs and character development. Wow. Yeah. So you get this, like, totally different backdoor credit for comics. It's yeah. not just like you're directly in, in the books doing the book no. stuff. Yeah. You go to the movie route first. They, they put me into the movie route first. And, that, and the, out of that, did they spin you into doing books? No. No, no, no. It's uh, I got I got fired from that job. What? <laughs> they were I I, I blame Tomar Ray. Don't Tomar, know who that is. Uh, Space Chicken. Oh, I got you. Yeah. So I had difficulties because I I had to make these characters look three dimensional. Mm -hmm. 
only using black and white with no shading. Wow, that's a pretty difficult task. Yeah, so I did 28 versions of Tomar Ray. And you could, and they just and didn't they like just it, they just like, well, it's good, but it's not exactly what we're looking for. Well, what are you looking for? Well, we don't know. So I had five characters left, which were the the actual guardians, and and Anna Ferris and her as Star Sapphire. Oh, and I didn't get to finish the project. That's lame. Yeah. So they 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 say no, we're out. This isn't the way we want to go. Yep. And you're back at the drawing board. Though. I'm back at square one. And which again, is a running theme of my life. That has to feel like an impossible mountain to climb, getting knocked down and constantly having to pick yourself back up and pick yourself yeah. back up. So you you're looking around and you're going, what do I do next? But you still want to do comics. Yep. So do you go, let's try a different avenue and go indie first? Or did you jump to try to get on Marvel? What, where did I, you I from jumped. I, I've, from day one, I've always been trying to get with Marvel. Obviously. Um, the video game covers that I'm known for now came because of Valiant. And it was kind of funny. It's just that... Um, for shiggles, I was doing just pixel art just because I'm like, Hey, I've always, I loved eight bit. Well, let me try to figure out to do a story in eight bit. And I'm still working on that 10 years later. Um, <clears throat> so I sent them, my buddy, Adam worked for Valiant and I sent him a holiday card of all the uh, all the characters in 8-bit. Whoa. What I didn't know at the time was that they were looking for an 8-bit artist to do covers because they had the Bloodshot uh, phone game coming out. Oh. So he's just like, well, that is just spectacular timing there, Matt, because we happen to be looking for somebody. And I'm like, I'm your guy. (laughs) (laughs) You literally sent your audition without knowing your audition. A lot of my work comes from Shiggles pieces. I love that term, Shiggles. I get it. We don't have to elaborate because the kids, but I totally love that. Um, So you were just having fun doing these 8-bits, whatever. It was just... Just just as warm-ups and everything. Just getting loose. And it's fun to do, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. You have a system that you do it in. Yep. And then Valiant's like, we need you. Yep. We need you bad. Yeah. So that was the first series of video game covers with Valiant. So like 2010? Around that time. Okay. I think 2010, 2011. I think I started doing them in 10. They came out in 11. Cool. And my process for those, I mean, I'm very, very particular. It's got to make sense. You do Bloodshot, you do Contra. Mm-hmm. That's, just, that's just the perfect fit. Um, Harbinger with Double Dragon. It makes fit. sense. Yeah. yeah. So I, I always wanted to make sure that everything made sense when I did a tribute piece yeah because they're beautiful i mean for anybody who hasn't seen your work you obviously have it with some of them with you all of them with you um but your crossover work between like doing an 8-bit game 
with, like you were saying, you're doing a Harbinger piece, but it's as Double Dragon. Yeah. That's clever. Not a lot of people can put those dots together. And the artist that they got afterwards didn't. Because, oh. again, I got fired. What? <laughs> I'm... Comics is a business. Totally. It's not supposed to be personal. Totally. So I did these covers for Valiant. Then Marvel's like, hey, we like these. Can you do some for us? And it was literally Dinesh was on. I was on the phone with Dinesh when I got the email from Marvel. And I was supposed to do a 20 cover exclusive with Valiant. I'm like, I'm all set. I'm ready to go. And literally, like, I'm on the phone with Dinesh working this out. I hang up with him. You got an email from Marvel. Where'd they get my email? <laughs> Is that the first question you asked? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <amazing. I'm> like, <laughs> like, How did they find me? I wasn't even trying right now. So that's yeah. cool. They reach out to you. Yep. But you have agreed to an exclusive deal. I didn't sign anything at that moment. Oh, you guys had just been literally verbally just discussing. verbally, he's like, I got off the phone with Dinesh. We're going to write up the contract. And I hang up the phone. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. So do you call him right back and go, hey. I call him right back. I'm like, Dinesh, man, they're offering me a lot more money than what you're offering me. And kind of like wrestling, like how Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. Go Dude, I don't, I don't want to go. Totally. Offer me. I'm not asking you to match these numbers because I know you're a small company, but make me your best offer. Make me your best offer. And they couldn't do it. They didn't try. They offered me 10% more, which okay. was still one six less than what Marvel was offering me. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So you don't really have a choice here. I say I I'm like, dude, you know, across 20 covers, I'm going to get paid more to do six covers for Marvel over your 20 and Marvel has clout. I'm like, I, this is nothing personal. It's all a business. It's a business. I mean, this is, I have to do it. It's just, it just makes sense. Why, why am I going to bust my butt for 20 covers? Was that Four. in the course of a year or like a two-year deal or what? I mean, what was the... It was a one-year, 20-cover deal. That's a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, honestly. Yeah. That's, you're doing two a month at that point. Yep. That's insane. Yeah, and, they, they, they're quick. Well, now they're quick, yeah. probably. You have, like I said, you have your system. But, yeah. So Marvel says, we only want you for six right now. Yeah. Um, what are your first six that you end up doing with Marvel? So the first one that I actually physically did was the Avengers Arena, which was the last one to come out. The double A white cover. Yeah, absolutely. So that was the very first one that came out, or the first one I did, the last to come out. Then it was the Deadpool Hastings variant for Deadpool 11, which I did two versions. And then... Was the... Uh, ooh, it's so pretty. Yeah. He's showing me it right now, and it's, it's yeah. A this is cover. the Deadpool cover he was yeah. talking about. Just in case anybody was curious. Um, then it was the AI cover, which is inspired by Mega Man. Yes, I I absolutely love it. It's so brilliantly done. And you know what? I never actually, and I feel horrible about it, but that Ultron 
I, I, I just did, didn't put it on there. That's an Audi Gradoff Ultron. Really? That I manipulated into 8-bit. And I've, I've always felt horrible about not actually putting after Audi on it. It's super subtle, though. I wouldn't yeah. have guessed that, actually. Yeah. I wouldn't know. Is, this, is that Ultron art from right after the Age of Ultron line yeah. that he had just done? Yeah. Uh, I met Adi during that run, actually. Yeah, he's, he's a great guy, and I, I, I'm sure I, I don't think mind. I've actually met him since. And I always said, hey, man, I, I forgot to put after on there, and I feel horrible about it. I don't think uh, you, you should, live, though, You yeah. learn. This, you know, that was my third cover for Marvel. I didn't know. Yeah, so those are your three, and out of the six, I noticed there was one cover of yours that I saw. Did you do a Thanos cover? No. 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 Okay, then I didn't see what I thought I saw. Maybe somebody um, was emulating you. Was I did a Wolverine Zelda mock-up. Okay. For Wolverine the End. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember what the other one was now. I don't remember. That's horrible. I know that one cover that wasn't Marvel that you did, and I'm sure we're going to get to that journey at some point, was your uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers cover yes. that you did. That was incredible. Yeah, that one, that one took me a little bit to figure out to make everybody fit on that cover it's, and it's, have their own... Because when you're doing so many characters on a page and to make sure that they all have their actual spot on it, and you only have a six foot by ten inch platform to do it in, and to make it look like it's a side scroller, it was it was a challenge, and I loved that challenge. You did a great job. Yeah, I, everybody stands out. The Zords in the background were great. Uh, Rita looked great. Yes, she did. Yeah, we aren't there yet in the story though. So you do the six covers for Marvel. Do they yeah. say let's go some more? Let's do some more nope. stuff. Crickets after that. Crickets. Yep. I think that there was, at least from my perspective, I know one of the covers you did. Dude, Taco Time. Oh, yeah, Taco Time. The Deadpool. Yeah. That, that's yeah. like. <laughs> Again, that was, a, that was another Shiggles piece. Hilarious, because it's <laughs> after um, Donkey Kong, right? It's like, or no, no, it's Burger Time. Burger Time. It's a Burger yeah, Time. It's riff. a Burger Time cover. So I did, I did Taco Time as a thank you piece to Jordan White, who was the editor of Deadpool. I'm just like, hey, man, I loved that. Um, Deadpool Hastings variant that I did and I was trying to convince them to talk to Hastings to continue on the idea of let's do one whole level oh my gosh so five connective covers into one level and they never went on it and then uh, spoiler alert Hastings went on business I know (laughs) I know and uh yeah, I was sad to hear that. But they never capitalized on making it into a linear cover. Um, then uh, I, I sent Taco Time as, as a fun piece. I'm just like, hey, you know what would be funny? Deadpool, Burger Time, tacos. And so I sent that over to Jordan as a thank you piece saying, hey, thank you so much. And he's like, hey, we want to use this as a cover for the wedding Deadpool issue. I'm like, I'm all for it. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden, people were messaging me. He's like, hey, look what I got in my loot crate. And it was the T-shirt of that. Awesome. I'm just like, I didn't get one. That's actually not awesome, kind of, because like we learned yesterday, when you give your art and your portfolio and whatnot to Marvel, 
they own the rights to do with yeah. it what they want. Yeah. So the shirt is something you weren't even aware was going to exist. No, not at all. They didn't say, hey, man, we got your art. We're going to throw it on a T-shirt for you. It's super cool. No, I didn't, I didn't find out until after Loot Crate happened and after because it was licensed over to Hot Topic, too, and they were completely sold out of my sizes. I'm just like, oh, that's sad. Rude. Yeah. It's so rude. Like, my friend, my friend in Texas sent me a picture of her in my shirt. I'm just like, look what I got. I stole it from my nephew. I'm like, but I don't have one. <laughs> so you still don't have one, do you? No. Okay, well, we know that's something we need to be on the hunt for in our, in our travels in the world. Yeah, I've, I've looked on eBay. They're on eBay, but they don't have they, – they only have small and ex, extra small. I'm just yeah, like, because oh, come people on. aren't trying to get rid of it because no. it's awesome. Yeah. Why are you getting rid of that shirt? So you hear crickets. There's nothing. No. Marvel so I just, just go back to square one again, and I submit samples. I keep on doing what I'm doing, uh, trying to pursue the indie route of doing creator-owned. And, you know, I'm getting frustrated at it because I'm just, I, I know, I'm doing this all on my own. And I failed English since the fifth grade. The only reason why I passed English is because I did graphic novels for my final papers and I got extra credit. Nice. All right. So I am just horrible at writing. Like, I could give you a whole structure, but don't tell me to write dialogue. It's just, it's just horrible. So I, I, I take... You know, and I'm still working on these things, and I, I, I thankfully I've got writers now. Uh, and I thought I was ready then, but now looking back, I know I wasn't. And my storytelling is great because, again, you keep on getting influenced by people. And then I started getting into like Mark Brooks, who's been a huge, huge influence on my work. And luckily enough, he's one of my good friends. Um, and, you know, talking with him, studying his work, then, then Stuart Eminent pops up on my radar man, and I'm like, Oh my God, this guy is the best storyteller in comics right now. Cause you can read everything that he does on a panel. And if you took away the words, you still know what's going on. Yep. And that's how I want to be as a comic artist now. So my creator-owned stuff, when I do it, I send it off to all my friends without words on it. I'm like, can you follow what's going on? And they're like, this is brilliant. So now that's what I do. Is that, that My creator-owned stuff is my main focus. And luckily enough, this past couple months, Frankie's Comics loved the retro uh, comic book covers so that's what I've been doing in the meantime is going back to the well with the 8-bit stuff with Frankie's comics yeah you just did the uh, like the Incredible Hulk 181 re yeah a right? recreation of Hulk uh, a 8-bit recreation of Hulk 181 um, the original rejection for Hastings of the NES black box was made into a into a cover and then released yesterday on Frankie's Comics was a recreation 8-bit version of Action Comics number one for Superman number one. Really? Yeah. I did not know that dropped. Yeah. I'm going to have to go scoop that up before it's too late. And then more to come. Oh, that's all you can say, huh? Yep. More to come? Yep. Well, that's good, man. It's, it's good to know that you're keeping busy. It's good to know that 
I feel like you have great tenacity. It's hard to get knocked down and yeah. get back up and keep fighting. And it's not like you're on the cusp. You've made a name for yourself. You are well known in the comic world. Like people know who you are, know what you're doing. It's just like you just got to keep pushing until something happens where you're like a regularly. You need that breakthrough. Through you can break thrill. in. Breaking in is easy. Breaking through is hard. Breaking through is hard. God, that's great advice. That's, yeah. I mean, well said. Very well said. Yeah, you can, you can break in. You can have a cover. You can do this, and you can break in. It's maintaining and staying in and breaking through. Is that, that is the most difficult part of all comics. And that comes to still getting your face out there. Like, I've taken the last two years off of cons because... It's hard, man. It's, it's, it's a rough life. It's it really a rough is. life doing 19 shows a year, uh, traveling every other weekend, leaving everything behind, not be able to work, which is frustrating for me is that, I mean, even throughout this whole journey, when I went to a party and everything, I'm sitting in the corner with my sketchbook. You used to get made fun of paper. all the time, everything, but I'm just like, you know, it's... it's it's something I had to do when I wasn't working and practicing. It was driving me nuts. Yeah. Because you wanted your, you genuinely love to draw. It's yes. beyond comics. It's beyond any of that. You love to create. It's when I'm are. not it's, creating, I feel empty. It's like you're dying. If yeah. you're not creating, yeah. you're dying. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that just is a very brilliant sentiment that you are an actual artist and that yeah. you really love it. It's not just like a, a money-making machine that you're good at. It's it's a kind of a mixture of both. You want to be the best in the world, but you also are going to do this regardless of where you're at in your world, which is yep. huge. You know, yep. a lot of people have that kind of drive. Uh, actually, this guy is looking for art. By the way, uh, just a side note: they Quite are possibly. they are in fact looking for a new logo for their show. So maybe you guys can link up. Would you like it in eight bit? Uh, Dick, did you have any questions for Matt before we wrap this one? No, I'm good, man. I feel like we've kind of covered your journey really extensively. We're going to kind of stick around, though, because we're going to do some wrestling talk. We're going to talk about some wrestling. Hopefully we don't scare everyone out of the building. Yeah. Uh, But, Matt, thank you so much for joining us today, man. It's been a pleasure. We need to do this again. Yeah, definitely. Anytime. Okay, I will keep that in mind. Yes. For sure. And we are back. That was a fun panel. <laughs> You're dying over here. Are you okay? Yeah. You, you did the uh, Wayne's World thing and lost it. That was hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did. Okay. So you were there for LaFiCon and the Matthew Waite panel. I don't know how much you of it you actually got to listen to because you were running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Um, but that. Well, I wasn't. I wouldn't say that. I thought I. Uh was gracefully meandering through the masses. <laughs> I'm not saying you like imitated a chicken with your head cut off. I'm just saying you no, were doing a lot of stuff. No, I was very busy. I was networking my little booty off. So, uh his his man his story is crazy cuz it's like trials and tribulations and he gets knocked down, he gets up again. He is Chumbawamba tub thumping. <laughs> You know, Jesus. and uh, a phenomenal artist, uh, yeah. super gracious dude. He hooked me up and uh, signed a couple of the covers of his that I brought because I had some Matthew Waite covers. Like, oh yeah, which ones did you bring? Uh, Deadpool Eleven, which was this really awesome eight bit Mario variant. That one was did. my favorite. Uh, I also brought the Avengers Age of Ultron AI number one 
8-bit variant, which is like a play on Mega Man. Mm-hmm. And then at the con, uh, I got his 300th issue of Deadpool chimichanga 8-bit variant that yeah. he sketched a Deadpool on in gold Sharpie and signed it, which was very fantastic. I'm really grateful for him. Yeah, we're going to have to post that on the JIC Instagram. And... We aren't even done yet because he also did a wrestling interview. He, myself, and John Tyler Christopher did Journey into Wrestling Season 3, Episode 1. You guys will hear that in the first week of August, so be on the lookout for that one. I think that's going to do it for tonight, V. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming back. You're welcome. Anytime. Next week is 200. I know. Congratulations. You're coming back again for 200. I know. <laughs> so I can't wait for people to check that out. I can't wait to re-experience that with you because it yeah, was a that great was a, time. Yeah, that was a good time. Uh, I think that's going to do it. I'll go ahead and get into the plugs, folks. As always, check out the Journey into Comics podcast at journeyintocomics.com where you can get all the different shows on our network or you can go to any of the different podcasting platforms, iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, or Spotify. Just search Journey into Comics Network. You can get all the shows on our network. Uh, Journey into Comics, Poor Rapport, Foodies Watching Movies, Journey into Wrestling, Adulting, Ain't Easy, Podcastrophy, Kids for Sale, The Voices Survival Podcast, and Brews with Dudes. <laughs> all on one feed every day of the week. Got a new show with Sunday dropping the best of the week, highlighting all the cool stuff that we do on this network. I think that's going to do it. But you can also check us out on Patreon at patreon.com backslash journey into comics. Give us a buck. Get early access. Give us $3. Get early access and exclusive content. Exclusive content meaning podcasts that you can only find on our Patreon. Nowhere else. That includes the new show that will be debuting here shortly. Brews with Babes. Can't oh, wait yeah. to be bringing that one to you guys. It's going to be fun. A beautifully awesome twist on the Brews with Dudes format uh, featuring... Uh, Foodie's very own Lauren Million is the host, which uh, is very exciting. Yeah, and I get to be on the next episode. Yeah, it should be a blast. All right, V. Well, I think it's time to get out of here. So for Journey into Comics 199, that quantum shit, I'm Nate. I'm Veronica. As always, folks, tip your hats back, fill your brains with shit. Later. Quantum shit. Oh, my God. Fill your brains with quantum shit. Yes, Veronica, you win. That's the greatest. You just added to the tag. I got you. Fucking A. All right. So let's try that again. Tip your caps back and fill your brains with quantum shit. <laughs>